0: hi i'm tony i'm patrick and we'd like to welcome you again to cave to the cross apologetics we kind of look at books and kind of help break them down for you so that uh, you know we can all understand them right and right now we're working through the, this book called why should i believe christianity it's written by james anderson actually it's part of a series of books that they're working on Mm -hmm. right? called the big 10 right about that so um they're halfway there yeah yeah (laughs) and um we uh last time started on chapter two of this book that he calls the big picture where he uh examines worldviews and the idea of worldviews and what that means and the importance of worldviews right right and so um we got about halfway through, and now what he wants us to do is uh, he suggested we can evaluate worldviews. Right. Right? We can determine, to a certain extent, which worldview is, as he says, more true than another worldview.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's trying to answer the question of, why should I believe Christianity? And he's positing that Christianity isn't just this, this a collection of facts or events or things that you kind of believe that affect you when you go to church on Sunday, right. but it's, it's an all-encompassing worldview. And a worldview is how you see uh, the world uh, and and uh, obtain evidence, bring, bring stuff in, uh, accept things, or
0: evaluate things as being good or accurate. Yeah, good. So he says, uh, the uh, the first chapter, he says, explain that we should uh, want our beliefs to be true. And the way we determine whether our beliefs or our other people's beliefs are true are by considering reasons for and against those beliefs right Uh so if we we want to know if a particular belief is true one of the things we do is we ask for the reasons to 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 determine whether or not that belief is true so you know uh, here i have a book i believe that there is a book on the table Well, what's your reason well, in this instance, I see it mm-hmm. right, and so we can give reasons for our various oh, beliefs. And, okay. and he says the same principle uh, can apply with worldviews. Right, we can examine worldviews, look at the various reasons to determine uh, which worldview is true or more true mm-hmm. than another one. Right. right?
1: And so uh, we start with um, here how to um, evaluate the worldviews. And so we consider various reasons for thinking that a worldview is true and also various reasons for thinking that a worldview is not true. Mm. Because, you know, you're, you're going to be coming into conflict with uh, people who hold different things, even uh, those that claim to be uh, Christians as well. So uh, I believe that uh, God doesn't have the body, uh, a physical body. You might believe that God the Father has a physical body. Hmm. Well, you're a Mormon, I'm not a Mormon, and so uh, there are implications to that, and so we can see um, by comparing those two that they're different, and so how do we evaluate from there as well? Yeah. So another way to put the point is to say that we can evaluate worldviews with respect to their truth claims. So not just, uh, you know, oh, I, I think chocolate ice cream is the best, but there is such a thing as ice cream. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can apply- Ice cream exists, yeah, right, right? That's <laughs> a truth claim, Right. We can apply certain tests to worldviews, and uh, our author here wants to suggest four different tests uh, that we can use to evaluate and compare these uh, uh, different worldviews. All right, so he's going
0: to give us four tests here. Yeah. And uh, so this is going to be the criteria that we can look at and say, okay, how do various worldviews stack up with regard to these tests? Mm-hmm. All right. The first one he calls the consistency tests right he says any worldview that involves inconsistent beliefs or assumptions cannot be true or at least at those points anyway because it is a basic rule of logic that no contradiction is true right so if i say there is a book on the desk and someone else says there is no book on the desk well those are contradictory uh, claims and both of them can't be true right and so he says very rarely Will someone have a worldview that involves a explicit contradiction like that, mm-hmm. right? No book, some book, right? In fact, he says he's never come across a worldview that says, for example, God both exists and God bo- uh, does not exist. Right.
1: right. right. <laughs> you know, we, we say things like, um, uh, oh, uh, language doesn't exist. Uh, but then you go, okay, well, how do you know that? Yeah. So then I go on to explain it. By 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 just the mere fact or, of, or, of doing that, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm showing that I'm contradictory it, or I'm not able to live with within that idea. That's right, and so uh, I'm I'm being well, inconsistent. I, so I would fail so the so language test.
0: doesn't exist. Well, how how do you say that?
1: <clears throat> right, <laughs> you just don't. Yeah, the, the tree the tree falls in the forest, and no one's around. <laughs> and so, so that's a uh, you know t- type of things that that uh, that, that we look at. All right. So consistency, mm-hmm. right. Uh, so what's more uh, common is that we encounter it here with the consistency test is that we encounter people with a foundational convictions or assumptions that seem to be implicitly contradictory. And he gives an example here that he's met people that uh, believe that there are no moral absolutes, no moral law that applies to everyone, but uh, who also think there's this cosmic law of karma. You know, we you <laughs> get what you give. You, if you do bad things in the world, it's, it's bound to bite you. Right. I don't really know if we we see that <laughs> uh, according to which uh, we're rewarded for our good deeds and punished for our bad deeds not in this life then in the next okay that, that might be something to look at on the face of it uh, these beliefs are inconsistent because if there were such uh, if there's such this thing as, as karma there must be an absolute moral law by which people's deeds can be judged good or bad right. uh, the, the, a, a big rubber band in the sky that that reflects back uh, the, the negative attitude that you have towards people and uh, you know, uh you you've pushed somebody over on on their bike but then you slip on the ice right. and there there's your karma for you
0: <laughs> so this what is what he calls an implicit uh uh inconsistency right or contradiction you know if if indeed uh, there is no you know moral law right so there's no way to judge people morally because there is no moral law then how in the world do you determine what is good karma and what is bad karma Mm -hmm. right you're using some type of standard the moral law right (laughs) right to determine good or bad in that instance right and so you're being uh implicitly contradictory in your in your statement right Right. kind of thing yeah the next one is the um so what's the coherence test well he says the word coherence literally means to stick together (laughs) or to be united right cohere right he says a worldview coheres if its parts hold together well and support one another. Mm-hmm. Right? So if a worldview includes beliefs and assumptions that appear to be unrelated to each other or in tension with each other, then the worldview lacks coherence. And conversely, if a worldview includes beliefs and assumptions that are closely intertwined, right, where some parts explain other parts, then that worldview has coherence. It fits together well. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and
1: then our third one is the uh, the explanation test. A good worldview will help us explain the things we observe about ourselves and the world we inhabit. Mm. Sure. As it turns out, some worldviews can better explain things than other worldviews. As philosophers say, they have more explanatory power, which makes the explanation test a very valuable test of the worldview. Mm. So things like, um, you know, it, it's it's within fire's nature to go up to the sky. Okay, well, <laughs> Like what part of their nature? How does how does you know if you burn paper? How does how does it know to go to the sky? Uh, well, then you have the thing like gravity. Okay, mm-hmm. gravity offers a better explanatory power of that. So mm-hmm. it's within its nature, within the scope of a, a, a viewpoint of of gravitational fields.
0: Yeah. So so <clears throat> notice if you say it's it's the nature of fire, then that's your explanation for why it's why it's acting or behaving the right. way it is. And then you say, "Well, what do you mean by nature?" Mm-hmm. And now you have to say, "Well, you mean it's fire." Yeah, and so fire, fire forms. <laughs> yeah. And so now you're, you know, it's the nature of fire that causes it to, to act this way. Well, what do you mean by nature? Well, I mean that it has fireness. Right. <laughs> All right. And so now you're in a circle, right? right? The nature causes it, and it's based on fireness. And so, yeah, that's a that's a problem, right? right.
1: <laughs> so if, if a worldview can explain things and explain them well, that's a good indication that the worldview is true. So it offers a little bit more. We, we can test things for gravity. We can um, uh, um, take it from the really big to the really small, um, and we don't just have to talk about uh, the, the four elements. We, we actually expand more uh, apart from that. So if one v- worldview can better explain things than another worldview, we have more reason to believe the first and the second. So we can do this with uh, Christianity and atheism. Atheism can explain things, but Christianity seems to offer the better explanation, according to us. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's the explanation test, right? Which one explains better? Mm-hmm. Right. What? What? Uh, our observations, our perceptions, that sort of thing. Um, and then he says, "There's the evidence test." Right? So this one is kind of a tricky wicket. Right? Yeah. Kind of sticky yeah, wicked have. type of thing, right? He says the basic idea here is that if a worldview is true then it should fit with the evidence, right? All the evidence that we have available and well, that seems to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Does it fit with the evidence, right. right? Uh the immediate evidence for instance of our senses, right? The evidence of reason, the evidence of our conscience, right? Or the evidence perhaps of history or science and so forth. So does this worldview fit with the evidence, right? He says, in the broadest sense, evidence, notice this, is anything that can serve as a truth indicator, anything that points towards the truthfulness of some belief or claim. So this is kind of interesting because most people just take evidence as, you know, uh, a fact. Mm-hmm. Right, a fact is evidence. This is a thing. <laughs> Respond to it. Well, right, and a fact is just a thing, perhaps, <laughs> right. right, or is you know, it's and and facts are not really evidence. You have to attach a fact to a particular truth claim for it to be considered either evidence for the truth claim or not, Uh right? And so what he's suggesting here is that uh, evidence, a fact, let's say, becomes evidence if it's more likely to indicate that a particular claim is true. If this fact is more likely to indicate that this claim is true, it becomes evidence for that claim. Right. That's that's what. And so he says evidence is anything that can serve as a truth indicator to a particular claim. Right. It points towards the truthfulness of some belief or claim. Right. 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 Yeah. So this is kind of interesting because an evidence is just not any fact that exists in the world. Right. Here's here's a book there. That's evidence. Evidence of what? Well, uh, You, know, right, you right. gotta have what it's evidence of, mm-hmm. right? Not just the fact, right? Right, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, we do this with murder cases, uh, that we we find a body, uh, in a building. Well, it's just a building, right? Yeah, oh, uh, but it's uh, actually a drug den. Okay, <laughs> well, that might add to the evidence that he was murdered for a reason, yeah, and so yeah. we might uh, uh bring that into our our uh, evidence uh, field and and put that in our little notebook as, as a, as an indicator.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Truth indicator.
1: The evidence we use in everyday situations is often ob- observation, observational in nature right. based on sense perception. But it's important to recognize that direct sensory observations
0: aren't the only kind of evidence. All right. so there's more than one type of evidence, right? Yeah. I see it there. That's the evidence, yeah. okay? Well, there may be more than just, uh, you know, sensory perception That's right. evidence. Right? This,
1: this is something that <laughs> a lot of people need to understand is uh, that uh, just providing, you know, uh, a, a, a finger of God sliced off. Here you go. Th- this is evidence of God. It's not the only only uh, way to uh, present evidence. All right, so
0: here it is. I write 2 plus 2 equals 5, and you say, what's the evidence that 2 plus 2 equals 5? Well, I can see it right there, so that's the evidence. Right. I see it. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, really? Yeah, I, I sense it well. <laughs> so our internal faculties of intuition, reason, and consciousness and conscience uh, can also serve as sources of evidence for certain truth claims. Right.
0: So it's unreasonable just because someone has written two plus two equals five to take that as evidence that two plus two equals right. five. Right? You believe that but that, that statement yeah. is
1: two plus two equals five, but <laughs> yeah. that doesn't mean there's the the, the equals is correct. <laughs> yeah. We rely on external sources of evidence too, such as testimony and of trustworthy people. Right. Uh, we do this uh, for, for uh, history as well. Uh, unless if you uh, see Abraham Lincoln with your own eyes, you know. Oh, pictures can be faked, video can be <laughs> fake. I, I don't care about his documents. I don't care what uh, the scholars say. Uh, okay, well then you're never going to believe Abraham Lincoln existed. Yeah. Okay, you're 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 going to have a hard time uh, with anything in history whatsoever.
0: <laughs> and so the evidence test, he says, is important because a person's worldview can uh, be confirmed by the evidence. Or it can be disconfirmed by the evidence, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he says. That said, this test can be tricky, as we mentioned, because n- no one interprets evidence in isolation from their worldview. Right. So, you know, what becomes evidence to a certain extent is kind of determined by the worldview.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? We, we saw this in
1: Mish uh, soak's uh, "How to Be an Atheist" book, where he talked about how uh, scientists are really hard to, to get rid of their theories. And so it's not just, Oh, I, I, I come into conflict with, with this piece of evidence that seems to knock my theory out of the way. Uh. You don't just
0: throw away your theory. Oh, you, no, you worked hard I, on it. You, yeah. Th- there could be other explanations for yeah, it. Yeah. You could just. So I need to dig a little deeper yeah. because, yeah, because I think my theory is right. 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 And so, yeah.
1: And, and sometimes that is the case. Sometimes there is a, a, you're looking at the evidence wrong or you haven't factored uh, plus B into your equation. And so adding the plus B <laughs> That's right. uh, uh, makes your, we'll your equation stronger. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so th- then you have theory prime. So you're like, well, I was close. But, you know, I, I really did most of the work
0: there. Right. So, so the, what he's getting at here is our worldviews do influence how we interpret any evidence that's presented to us. So we can't just point to the evidence, right, right or right. the facts right. to approve or disprove a particular worldview. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> so when presented with a piece of evidence, each of us will try to fit that evidence into our current worldview, view. But that evidence will fit better with some worldviews than with others.
0: All right, so now he's trying to help us to see that, you know, how this can work, right? Right. This evidence (laughs) can fit better with some worldviews than other worldviews, right? Okay.
1: One way to approach the evidence test is to consider what we expect to observe if a particular worldview were true. Let's assume for the sake of argument, you know, worldview X is true. Would we see... You know, the, that that's evidence right. could come, come about A, B, and C. Right. right. We
0: would expect A, B, and C if worldview X were true. Right. right? So that's what we expect. So do we see that? Mm-hmm. Right. If we don't, that's a good, that may be an indicator that worldview X isn't true. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't right. meet our expectations based on what the worldview should provide. Right. right.
1: What would be surprising or unsurprising if that worldview were actually true?
0: Right. 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 That kind of thing. So he tells us the four tests here that have been outlined aren't uh, some esoteric philosophical principles, right? They're really just kind of common sense, you know, kinds of things, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah, this isn't something that, you know, you need a deep philosophical sense. In fact, when you've come into conflict with, with uh, these types of things, you probably went through this in, in your own mind. Mm-hmm. You didn't probably didn't have uh, okay, well, steps one through four, <laughs> but you're, you're, that, that's how worldviews work and how, how you're, um, uh, evaluating different truth claims yeah. when you come into conflict or just, uh, into, in, into the space that you uh, work in.
0: Yeah. And so these four tests, um, They're tests that philosophers use to evaluate worldviews. But notice there are also tests that scientists use, for instance, to evaluate theories. Right. And detectives use to evaluate hypotheses, right? Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, he says we apply these tests as a matter of routine. Without really being aware, even that we're doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Ideally, a worldview should be evaluated in comparison with other worldviews, at least with uh, the major alternatives.
0: Right. So, It'd be so the easier idea- to see. That's right. So here's wor- worldview A, uh, or worldview A, worldview B, and we're trying to determine what's going on there. So we kind of compare how each worldview assesses the thing that we're considering. Right, thing. the thing in the world.
1: Yeah, right. uh, here's a table, and poof, an apple suddenly appears. <laughs> well, in the atheistic uh, worldview, the the materialist worldview, that, that stuff should happen at least more than once. Uh, or as, if it happened once, it has the ability to happen more than once. There's nothing that uh, you know uh, precludes it from happening. Uh, but with Christianity too, you have uh, the, the evidence Possibly of miracles. C- so, yeah, yeah. so okay, how do we evaluate that? Okay. We're going to dig deeper on that. (laughs) The reason for this is that if we think a certain worldview faces some difficulty or problem, we might be tempted to dismiss it simply for the reason, for for that reason, without taking proper time to consider whether competing worldviews face the same or similar challenges or perhaps even greater challenges.
0: Right. So here's worldview X and it doesn't, it has a problem with this particular issue, this particular fact in the world. Oh, I guess we throw it away, right? He right. says, no, 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 no. Let's, how does worldview Y deal with that same thing? If worldview X deals with it better than worldview Y, then we shouldn't throw worldview X away, that mm-hmm. right, kind of thing. All right? So in other words, rather than asking which worldview passes all the tests without any problems, right? we should ask which worldview passes the test better than any other Right, and uh, he says we'll then be able to see which worldview is the most reasonable to believe. Right.
1: So, one final observation here uh, that um, uh, Anderson wants to make is that when evaluating worldviews, it's important to remember that each worldview should be evaluated on its own terms, not by the standards and expectations of some other worldview. Right, you're, you're if if you're you're going to take an external view to it, and you're like, well, that's not what I believe. Right. So,
0: based on my worldview, that can't your worldview is wrong. <laughs> right, right? <laughs> it, that that's the whole point of this exercise.
1: <laughs> so, we want to look at internally consistently. That's why, uh, for presuppositionalists, we talk about. Uh, um, You know, um, assume that the other person's worldview is true for the sake of the argument. What would we see as the result of that?
0: What would we expect to see? Right. Right. Yeah. So
1: suppose you're comparing two worldviews, worldview X and Y. If worldview X is allowed to sit on the judge's bench when worldview Y is on trial, it would hardly be surprising to find that worldview Y is found guilty simply because it isn't worldview X. (laughs) Right. Uh, That's that's how judgment works. That's you know, you, you you can't ever get outside of you know your worldview. So take for granted uh, that worldview Y is accurate. What would we see as the result right. when evaluating it at the best that we can? One might uh, as well argue that the English language is flawed because it doesn't follow grammatical rules of Latin.
0: Right. So English must be must be <laughs> wrong because, you know, uh, Latin is, is, is our worldview language. <laughs> right. Right? right. And English doesn't follow the, the rules of Latin, so... English is wrong. Well, wait a minute, right? We want to evaluate English on its own, right? And, and not just through the view of my Latin language. Although right? teaching a five-year-old uh, <laughs> English
1: uh, seems to be true that English is wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so he says finally that he wants to emphasize this point because people who criticize Christianity often do so without realizing that their objections actually take for granted some other worldview than Christianity, right, right, and uh, and so he says no one should reject Christianity simply because it's not some other worldview, right? right? That it's that it, it isn't something that's uh, that's Christianity, right. right? Christianity is wrong. Why? Well, because it's not this worldview. Well, wait a minute. Let's look at it yeah. in terms of you it doesn't know, allow
1: me to do everything that I want to do. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: If Christianity were true, it would let me. Yeah. Well, that's not what Christianity says that you can <laughs>
0: yeah. do. Okay. Yeah. Good. And so this kind of, uh, so this ends uh, chapter uh, two, where he talks about the, pig, the big picture in terms of worldview. Right. And now what he's going to move to next in chapter three is the idea of Christianity as a worldview. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pursue this particular idea. Right, right.
1: And so we're going to go into that in greater detail and, and learn about Christianity. Hey, what do you know? We're learning about Christianity here. <laughs> So uh, th- thanks again for uh, continuing to watch us, uh, listen to us, uh, however way you consume us. Uh, if you could uh, share it around, that would be awesome, um, and we appreciate those that do. And um, allowing us uh, in your ear or in your ride home or wherever you might be, out running, uh, that might be weird, but hey, it's uh, it's, it's your <laughs> runtime. So
0: uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.